Welcome to The Life of Jesus, Term 2, Lessons 19 and 20, and this will be Lesson 19. We're going to pick up where we left off in Chapter 4, on page 6. We've been discussing um, the events in Genesis, Chapter 3. We left off in Genesis 3, 6, where it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So we made the point last time that Adam wasn't off somewhere naming bugs or something. Okay, He was with her. And um, that shows that he, he, was, he knowingly did commit a sin. All right, and um, as Jamie pointed out last last week as well, if he did it knowingly, obviously there was a desire to do it. He actually wanted to know, um, and that was what was what made it so bad. Okay, uh, and we're going to look at a couple of things now in Genesis three six. <clears throat> The first thing of importance is the fact that Adam was again with her the whole time and said absolutely nothing. That's um, even though he knew exactly what was going on. That was in First Timothy two fourteen, um, and in his commentary, I'm on page seven. John MacArthur says that Eve didn't know what she was doing. It was not overt rebellion against God, but seduction and deception to make her believe that her act was the right thing to do. The New Testament confirms that Eve was deceived, but with Adam it was a direct transgression without deception. So I thought that was interesting that somebody else had actually picked that up. Some mistakenly believe, and I've heard this, this is actually preached when I was going to church um, at one stage, that um, Adam was never there and only ate the fruit later because he loved Eve so much that he didn't want her to suffer God's judgment on her own. But if that was the case, he would have never blamed her. When God said, who did this? And he said, the woman that you gave me. Remember all that? Okay, we're going to see all that soon. Okay, so it's inconsistent with that. Okay? Now, um, the second thing of importance that we see in this verse is that, as Alan P. Ross puts it, Practically for food, aesthetic beauty, and the potential for wisdom. The physical, emotional, and spiritual senses all work together to draw Eve into sin. Alright, so we see three aspects there. And this is how Satan often gets people to override their fear of judgment and punishment through overwhelming temptation. Let's just stop there for a minute, okay? Um, you, you know, there's so much of the time you just can't understand why people do certain things. You just think, well, didn't you know? Didn't you realize? And it's really easy. And let me just say this, you know, we're very quick to point fingers at other people. But we do the same thing. You know, and the thing is that while you're doing it, it's like, yeah, nobody's going to find out. The same devil that tempts you to do it tells you nobody's going to find out. Is the same devil that will go and rat on you as soon as you do it. That's who you're dealing with. So don't ever you know, be deceived with that thought because it will get found out somewhere. Okay? And you, know, I mean, you can pray and ask God to help you, but that's the way the devil works. And you need to know that the, the very person that's tempting you, the very person that, that is telling you it's safe, is the very person that it's going to be unsafe with. All right? It's the worst person to know your worst secrets. Do you understand? Okay. 
And this is the reason why also that James is so forceful when he says in chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So that's really interesting. It is it's something that we all need to acknowledge, we need to understand, that whenever we get drawn away, see people say, well, God brought the temptation, and God's checking me out and testing me and everything else. Be careful what you say about God testing you. Okay, There are tests, but not the kind you think. Okay, That's the reason we fail the tests all the time. Let me share this with you. I know I don't usually preach on, on, on Tuesday, which, well, I kind of do here and there, but I need to do this now. So give me a minute with this, because I don't want to rush through this, because there are some very important things I feel like you need to know. One of the things that we have to be really careful with um, is that we don't attribute the things that the enemy is doing to what God is doing and miss what God is doing. The temptations that God brings your way, excuse me, I should say, the tests that God brings your way, are tests of goodness. It'll be the time when God says, do you see that person? And you go, yeah, I see him. Say, they need help, go help. That's the test. We don't see that as a test. We see that as an option. Do I feel like it? Do I want to? You just failed a test. Alright? Then something goes wrong. <laughs> okay? And the seed that you were meant to plant over there isn't being planted, hasn't been planted. There is no crop now for when you need it. So something now goes wrong and then you go, Oh, God's testing me. No, now you're in a hole. Okay, and, and <laughs> there would have been a solution had you done the. And I've noticed this, and I, w- I want to share this wisdom with you. I have noticed over and over again in my life that the little things that God asks you to do, they may be uncomfortable, they may be inconvenient, alright? Do them. Because for, I will guarantee you that it will have a benefit for you in a future. Somewhere in your future, this will benefit you. Interesting, isn't it? Alright? Now we shouldn't do that for that reason, but I'm just telling you that's how it works. Because God is so amazing, and this is the, the intelligence behind who's looking after you. He can see what you're going to need. And He will get you to be involved in something now that will bless someone that they'll remember at a time when you need help and they're the one to help you. And he will work, and, and it just it amazes me that he can see that this person is going to have a need, and he says, you know, that person is the best person to meet that need because they're going to need, this person's going to need that person's help, okay, somewhere down the track. That's how he works things. All things work together for your good. Do you understand? That's the part, that, that's what it means. Not all the bad things that happen to you, but all the good things. Okay? Those are the tests. Pass the tests. Are you here? Yeah. You know? People sometimes think, you know, if, even when it comes to giving, people think, well, that's just an option. That's a test. Do you know that is a test? And people miss that test as well. And then they lose their job, and then things are not going well financially, and they wonder what's going wrong. 
another test. You failed another one. <laughs> None of you here, needless to say. But you understand when I, I'm using you, in, okay, in a broad sense. Those are the tests. The tests of kindness, the tests of giving. And it's not just money, it's just your time, it's your love, it's your encouragement, anything at all. Look for ways to bless people. Do you hear me? Amen? They're the tests. All the other stuff, the enemy is coming to kill, steal and destroy. Fight against it. Amen. Alright, moving on. Let's get to this. So, in other words, this is what happens when we don't have uh, thorough and precise knowledge of God's word. That we get tempted, okay? An unwavering and wholehearted trust in the goodness of God and an obedient fear of God Himself. Can I go through those three things again? <laughs> Alright? We end up falling in this trap of temptation instigated by the enemy when we don't have a thorough and precise knowledge of God's Word. Again, people thinking, perhaps this is God tempting me or testing me or whatever. Okay, we don't have the knowledge, so we don't fight. We just go, oh, well, here we go. Second thing, we don't have an unwavering and wholehearted trust in the goodness of God. That is such a key thing. You see, if you know that God is good, and something bad's happening, the first thing you do is you go, this can't be God, so I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to know that God will back me up on this. The problem that most of the body of Christ have today is they don't know if it's God or not. Do I fight this thing or am I meant to learn something from it? The lesson you ought to learn is that it's not God, fight. That's the lesson, <laughs> okay? Do you understand? Now, if you have caused this because of some disobedience, we'll repent. Is that so difficult? Amen? The third thing is an obedient fear of God Himself. Now some people have said, oh, no, fear is of the devil and everything else. Watch this, an obedient fear of God. We need to you know, understand that God isn't something that you play with. God isn't something that you go, well, do I want to listen or not today? Alright? And let me just say this, there might be things that are very difficult for you to overcome. Alright? I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about those things that you just are in disobedience. You know you need to do something. It's no, not too much skin off your nose to do it. You just won't do it. I'm just saying, there are just some things that we just get, you know, stubborn over. On principle. Who cares? Those are bad principles. Sometimes people, just out of stubbornness, on principle, won't do something. Because that person didn't do it for me. On principle, I'm not doing it for them. Do you understand? You know what? You need to know that God said, God said, you, you do stuff like that, it causes me, it ties my hands and causes a problem. That's right. Right? And also God is the judge. Listen, when, when judgment has to be passed, He has to pass judgment. Absolutely. That's why again we have, you know, 1 John chapter 2, where we, we are told that Jesus Christ is an advocate, but He can only work on our behalf as our defense lawyer, if we confess our sin. Two verses before, or three verses before. Are you all here? Amen? Okay. Getting back to this now. <clears throat> in fact, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, the Apostle John identifies and addresses everything that's brought out in Genesis 3.6. 
Very interesting. And says, for all that is in the world. Now this is very interesting that he says, this is what is in the world. Okay? Watch the things he lists. The lust of the flesh, it was good for food. The lust of the eyes, it was pleasant to the eyes. Interesting, huh? And the pride of life would make one wise. The three things that the devil tempted Eve with. Alright, good for food, pleasant to look at, and will make you wise. Amen? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And he says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Alright? And as this worldly wisdom of good and evil... Or, excuse me, and as this worldly wisdom of good and evil that they weren't ready for surged through their system, it had a very curious effect. Alright, so when they ate, let's go to Genesis 3.7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Alright, now it's interesting, the Hebrew word actually means naked or disarmed. Okay, so we need to look a little further now. They weren't just naked, they were disarmed. That's why they were hiding. It wasn't just uh, you know, out of shame, it was out of fear. Remember they said we were afraid? What would make you fear when your protection's gone? See, you can be embarrassed without being afraid. Are you all with me? So we need to see, you know, when, when, he, when they say we were afraid, they were actually... Again, we, we, we miss things when we read sometimes, and we read over things. But if we look closer, we begin to realize that they weren't just naked, but they were disarmed as well. So they were ashamed, and they were afraid. And we're going to see both of those aspects as well. To understand what happened here, now, I'm just spending like two seconds on this. I've done a, a much, uh, I've spent more time on this in the past on other series. But let me just point this out to you. In Psalm chapter 8, well, it's not a chapter. It's Psalm 8 and verse 5. It says in the New Living Translation, For you made us only a little lower than God, and you crowned us with glory and honor. Okay? You crowned us with glory and honor. These are our feathers. Do you understand? These are our scales. This was our fur. Okay, glory and honor. We weren't naked. God didn't just put us and go, let's not dress this one. Okay, we'll give the birds feathers, and we'll give the fish scales, and we'll give every animal hair, except we're not giving this nothing. Let them just run around, woohoo. So I won't say nothing more. Okay. And <laughs> that wasn't the case. Remember, they were made in the image and the likeness of God. That's right. Let me ask you a question. Where does God shop? He doesn't wear clothes. Do you know what His clothing is? Fire from loins up and loins down. He has the glory all over Him. If that glory got snuffed out, do you understand? He'd look just like us. Sad, isn't it? Before the glory was snuffed out, we look just like Him. Image and likeness. Image and likeness. We keep missing that. Alright. And so, <clears throat> in other words, the glory that covered and protected Adam and Eve was suddenly gone. And when they knew that they were both naked and disarmed, um, and all that they could do was cover up their nakedness, 
and hide from anything. So all that, excuse me, it shouldn't be an all there, an and there. All they could do was cover up their nakedness and hide from anything that could hurt them. Did you understand? Amen? That's all they could do, is cover up and hide, because they were now disarmed. They were naked. This is one of the things that Jesus came to restore to all humanity, and what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in Ephesians 5 and verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Interesting, isn't it, that the glory needed to come back? Because we lost our glory, and Jesus came to bring that glory back to mankind. He, needs to, he wanted to dress us again. And it will come. Remember here on the Mount of Transfiguration? He showed us what we should look like. It wasn't just Him. Alright. Therefore the glory that was lost at the fall has been restored to all believers in Christ Jesus. Alright, and we now, listen, have the potential to walk in it and enjoy all of its benefits if we only learn how. Alright, we need to learn how. It's going to take time in God's presence, in prayer. It's going to take work. Amen. It's just one of those things. Alright, and, and the further we go into this, the more and more we'll start walking in that. Okay, back to Genesis chapter 3. In verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the, uh, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, it's generally accepted by all scholars that every mention, well, major scholars anyway, okay? I haven't seen all the minor ones. That every mention of the physical manifestation of God on earth refers to the second member of the Godhead, Jesus Christ. Alright, so that's something at least they agree on. <laughs> okay? In fact, Henry M. Morris, and th that is a key thought, because in the next chapter, we're going to see some of those manifestations. All right? And we need to do that, because the life of Christ isn't complete unless you see Him in the Old Testament, unless you see Him in the garden. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense when He says you know, to the religious people, before Abraham was, I am. And boy, I mean, when he said, I am, they understood that as a term of divinity. Okay? Because God is the great I am. He isn't I was or I will be. He is always I am. Anything you need. All right. So, <clears throat> in fact, Henry M. Morris, in his commentary, says that this is the Word of God, Christ pre-incarnate clothed in human form in order to communicate with those whom he had created in his own image. I love that. All right. So here we see Jesus Christ predating all religions. Pause for effect. Religious leaders. Further pausing. And religious beliefs. Because people will say, oh, my religion was before yours. No, no, no. My, our God was born in human form after yours, but he was there before yours ever came along. In fact, yours came because he created yours. And yours will have to answer to ours. Just saying. Everybody is going to be judged on the last day. It won't be all the, you know, the peasants over here and all the religious leaders. Well, you get exempted. Think about this for a minute. All the people that they are putting their trust in today, are going to be standing right there with them getting judged. Interesting thought, isn't it? Okay then. 
That's what I keep saying. We, we do not serve a prophet, a good guy. We serve God. Second member of the Godhead. We serve God. Okay. All right. So again, let me, let me re read this. So here again, we see Jesus Christ predating all religions, religious leaders, and religious beliefs. And the reason why we are looking at the Genesis account, because this is a part of his life and story. Notice also in verse 8 that it says that they heard the sound of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. There are two key things here. All right. They heard... God coming down. I don't know whether he was stepping on leaves and they were, you know, cracking under his feet. Who knows? I don't know. But notice, they didn't see him. They heard him. Okay? They heard and they hid. And it's really sad, isn't it? When they heard him coming, they took off. Alright? So this, and I said here, how sad this must have been for the Lord to find his most magnificent and precious creation hiding from him. And so it says in verse 9, uh, I will clear up verse 9 for you. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Wrong. Alright? In a series by Charles, uh, by Charles Neyman on the life of Jesus, he brings something very significant out. The literal, as if God didn't know. Now people have tried to, you know... Uh, make sense of this and said, well, you know, it's like the parent that knows that the child has done something wrong and said, now have you done it wrong? And <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay, somebody once said to me, don't use human standards and terms to, to equate with God. Just don't do it because it fails and falls short all the time, alright? Let's go back to the Hebrew and the Greek. Can we do that? Okay? Listen to what it actually says. The literal... Translation actually says, The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Listen now, why are you where you are? It wasn't God didn't know where they were. He knew where they were. He's, he wasn't going, No, I think this is the right planet. Let's see, three from the... and Yep, no, I'm on the right one. It sounds so stupid when it's said like that. Amen? Hey, this is God, man. Right. Omnipresent, omniscient. Okay, that means He's all, the way, all over the place all the time. And He knows everything. That's right. So it's, it, it makes more sense that He comes down and I can just look at Him going, Seriously? You're trying to hide from me? So the question would be, Why are you where you are? I know where you are. Why are you there? Okay? Now, he, now this is this part He knew. Needless to say, he needed them to. He needs you to confess your sin. If we acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, they had an opportunity. The Lord gave him the opportunity. He didn't come down in a rage and go, "You bad person!" Slap, 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 slap. Judgment straight away. Gave them the chance. Just like he comes to us. And he goes, what's up? And he goes, mm, uh, nothing? Okay, you missed it. You missed your opportunity to confess and get out of it. Okay? Alright, anyway. Verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. Remember they heard the sound of the Lord? 
This is what they heard. I heard your voice in the garden. Well, I wonder what he was... What, I wonder what the Lord was saying. He heard the Lord's voice. It's not recorded. Okay? And he says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Alright? Now, if we put the word disarmed in there, you can understand now that he was naked and disarmed. He was feeling vulnerable. Alright? And he hid. Because, you know, to put it in, in space terms, his shields were down. Okay, anybody could shoot and he'd be gone. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He had no covering. We need to understand that that glory was basically, to put it in you know, terms that maybe we can get, was like a force field around us. It literally allowed us to be un- just impregnable. Okay? And when you lose that, <laughs> yeah. Okay? Now we get stung and everything. Alright, so. <laughs> so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So this is the first mention of fear in the Bible. And it originated in the Garden of Eden as um, a result of sin and disobedience. In addition to this, from verses 9 and 10, we also see that an unrepentant sin always looks for ways to hide from God and His presence. Did you catch that? An unrepentant sin is always looking to hide from God. Alright? Because it doesn't want to be found out. Jesus is going to say something very interesting when we get to John chapter 3. He's going to start talking about light and darkness. And he's going to say that people hate the light because they want the darkness. They enjoy the darkness. Do you understand? Alright, we'll look at that when we get to it. But we're going to see parallels now of what the fall brought and how it impacted mankind to where Jesus himself is going to comment on those things when he comes down to earth. Alright, but it all started here. And in the case of Adam and Eve, even more so, especially since they had lost their glorious protective covering and were now naked, disarmed and vulnerable. Alright, so verse 11 goes on to say, And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now here we see the compassion of Jesus, fully knowing what had taken place, giving Adam and Eve the opportunity to admit their sin, repent and seek forgiveness. Alright, so again, there's just opportunity after opportunity. God knows, He knows what's going on. Okay, so He's asking, Now who told you you were naked? Where did you get this from? What is it that you've lost? They're still not getting it. You know, he's just, every step of the way, he's giving them opportunity. They could have said, Lord, we lost our glory. We know we're naked. We don't need to be told, we can tell. <laughs> I didn't know there was all that for Eve. And she didn't eat, she go, <laughs> don't ask. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know all right? Um, you know, I'm just saying, all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> they knew, they knew, all right? And <laughs> watch now, watch. This is a class act. Verse 12. And the man said, and he has been saying it ever since, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me. Uh, of the tree, and I ate. 
I mean, this is not a person that's trying to hide, uh, you know, that committed the sin to protect Eve and because she'd fall. Does that sound like a person to you? Boy, I mean, he just, two seconds, man, throws it off. Now he's talking. And what he's saying isn't good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, threw Eve under the bus, absolutely. <laughs> but notice the two things that he does. He says, the woman... You gave me. In other words, if you didn't give me this woman, I wouldn't be in this problem now. I told you, man has been doing this ever since. We have to be careful, and I'll talk to men for a minute, but this applies to both genders, okay? okay. <laughs> There's no men here. <laughs> Just us mice, no. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> we have to be careful because we tend to have a bit of a drive you know, to, to push towards success and, you know, towards goals and being the, how can we say this, the breadwinner in the family. Although in today's society, both are winning bread. Right. The only difference is the woman gets to go win the bread, come home and prepare the bread. Right. Well, the man sits on the couch. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But anyway, not going there today. Moving on. But, you know, <laughs> just say it. All right? But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, we have to be careful that we're not blaming Everyone except ourselves for our problems. This, this is the condition of fallen man. And when I say man, I don't mean just males. Males and females. All right? this, is the, this is one of the problems that we face. That we are, instead of looking to ourselves and saying, Okay, we messed up. We did this wrong. We need to fix this. We are looking to see how everybody else... You know, was to blame and why. If, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't do this. And if that didn't happen, hey man, nobody's holding a gun to your head. Do you hear me? You can choose to either react to things or not. You can choose to, whether you allow things to defeat you or whether you will overcome them. You choose. I don't care how bad it gets, it's still your choice. Because there is a God that is bigger than your problem. Do you hear me? And you can engage Him, get Him involved, and things will change. But that's up to you. Or you can go ahead and just blame everybody. You won't have a powerful prayer life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Take responsibility and charge the mountain. Alright, so back to this. Oh, i got a few more minutes. Three minutes. Then the man said, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me uh, of the tree and I ate. So, suddenly the man is talking. Like I said, <laughs> okay? And the only thing he can do is blame, shame, and expose Eve. Blame God for giving her to him. Not once does he mention the serpent and his deception. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say anything about the serpent. Now there's a serpent that caused all of this. Huh? Where was the... I mean, if he was going to blame anyone, they say, God, how come you let a serpent in the garden? Like, you know, I mean, that's still putting blame, but at least that would have been a little bit more to the mark. Like, where did this come from? I thought it was safe. <laughs> no, but remember, remember at the beginning, God said, guard the garden. Okay, and like I said, I don't know how many conversations we would have had with the man, because it was obviously something that was going on. All right, except this time they're scared, and they're running for cover. Alright, so in other words, he shields the devil, puts the entire blame for his willful sin uh, on the only two individuals that were there to be a blessing to him. 
God and Eve. The woman he promised he would leave everything for and become one with. Remember all that? How sad, alright? By the way, this action totally refutes all the scholars that try to make Adam sin noble by saying that he was elsewhere when the woman sinned and when she came to him with the fruit, the only reason he ate it again is because he couldn't bear for her to fall alone. Okay, so we've mentioned that before. And it goes in the same verse 13, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, Thank God, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, is there anything wrong with that statement? No, not Nothing is wrong, is there? She was deceived, the Bible confirms that. By a serpent, the Bible confirms that. And she did eat. She didn't say, No, I didn't inhale. Okay. <laughs> okay, I just licked the fruit and gave it to Adam. He's the one that took a bite out of it. <laughs> you know, the things we say. All right, it's interesting. She confessed. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Wow, huge thing there. All right, you might have to leave it here and pick it up in the next session. Take a break.